Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Holiness is the topic for today. Follow peace with all men, without holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That's Hebrews 12, 14. And it then goes on and says, Be careful lest the root of bitterness spring up in any of you, and we be defiled. Walk circumspectly in the Lord Jesus Christ, doing the will of God always. Iniquity is lawlessness. In other words, not following the leading of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Now, if we continue in faith with all sobriety and broken, humble, and contrite spirit, walking softly before the Lord, then He will lead us and guide us into all truth, not partial truth, all truth. And that is the end of our faith, which is salvation. We find that in Romans 6, the ones that do have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ in them. He says, even though we have the Spirit of Christ, we still have to do a sanctification process. Sanctifying yourself holy, both spirit, soul, and body. <clears throat> Conform to the image of Jesus Christ and His exact divine nature. We find that these exceedingly great and precious promises are given to us that we might escape the corruption world through lust, that we might be made partakers of his divine nature. Now, the very definition of holiness, kodak, in the Hebrew is separate, to be separated. God is holy, and he expects us to be holy also. And the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, given us the bylaws of the kingdom of heaven, what constitutes it and what we must do in order to be able to enter in. We have to take on these divine attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ built up in our character just exactly like him, holiness. <clears throat> it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. In Matthew 5:48, Jesus goes and states, Be ye therefore holy, even as your Father in heaven is holy. Now that holiness is sanctification to the point where we take on God's divine nature. And there are various steps in that. You start off, as all do, as newborn babes desire, then sincere milk of the word, we may grow thereby. We're born of the water and the spirit. But we don't stop there. It's progressive. Though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And that is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we go from newborn babes to little children. Now the little children have a higher revelation, growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which works salvation in us. Walking in the light as he's in the light. Then, the blood flow. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It's dynamic. It is not uh, stagnant. It is a dynamic, uh, perpetual moving of the Holy Ghost. It's a catalyst to bring us into the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. It propels us. It compels us. It is what the dynamic to move us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. But we have gifts unto men that the Lord gave us 
to assist us in this. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now that perfecting is holiness. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Coming to the same nature as Jesus. We're born with a human nature, an Adamic nature. To get rid of that body of the sins of the flesh is by baptism. Water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, Acts 38. And they have that conscience purged from dead works to serve the living God. Peter tells us also in 1 Peter 3, that in the days of the long-suffering of God, in the days of Noah, wherein eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, baptism, does also now save us. Not to put in way the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God. But if we have that Spirit of God in us, then the death and the deeds of that flesh does not have dominion over us anymore. Therefore, we are to stand, therefore, in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The Spirit is the compelling force, the dynamic force, that leads us into all perfection, all holiness. When Paul stated in Hebrews 12, 14, to follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So it's incumbent upon us that we understand and know that holiness is separation from the world. You can't have both. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That is exactly what happened to the Laodicean church. <clears throat> in Revelation 3, the Laodicean church, the church of Laodicea said, I am rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing standing in their own money, their own accomplishments, their life consisting of the things which they possessed, much like we do today in the worldly way that thinking that gain is godliness. That is exactly what happened to Laodicea. But John, as he wrote through the Spirit of God, Jesus said, but knowest thou not, you're poor, wretched, naked, destitute. Oh, my goodness. Definitely a mistaken identity. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. That gold tried in the fire is through the perfecting process of the Holy Ghost. Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust in order to do the will of God. It requires obedience. It's not a, an instant process. It's progressive. Paul stated also, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, totally separate from the world. Holy means totally separated. Now, there's also, Pharisee means to be separate also. But the difference between a Pharisee and holiness is that the Pharisee judged others according to their idea or 
uh, revelation of what they thought the law was. They went about with a zeal, but not according to wisdom. They went about to establish their own righteousness, not the righteousness of God by faith. And they were separate, all right, and very judgmental with no love. Faith worked by love. So the divine nature, we have to excel in these excellence and these promises given to us, these precious promises given to us through obedience, whereby we escape the corruption of the world through lust. The only way that you can escape the world, for the love of the world, any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's just that simple. But we're told in Christianity today that you can have prosperity, lands, houses, cars. Uh, you can have a, an investment portfolio, be rich toward yourself. And that's okay. It's all right with God. Not realizing that, as Jesus stated, the grounds of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he said, what shall I do? I have much goods. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. Expand my business. Well, he did so. Then he said, so, eat, drink, take thine ease, for thou hast much good stored up for many years. But then there was a voice that came from heaven this night. Thy soul shall be required of thee. He didn't kill anybody. He was a good businessman. Well, why would his soul be required of him? So is he that is rich toward self and not rich toward God. We have to crucify the flesh, the self-will. And that's what this man did not understand. We have another rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, keep the commandments. Why well, callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That's God. But if you will enter life, keep the commandments. He said, which one? And, of course, Jesus uh, states the, the commandments of the Decalogue given in Exodus 20. He said, honor your father and mother, uh, bear not false witness, thou shalt steal, etc. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? He was trusting in his own flesh that he was right with God, that he had every right to enter into eternal life. Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. Said, sell that you have and give to the poor. Go pick up your cross and follow me. There's that cross life. First thing, he had to deny himself his self-will. Selling that he had, he was allowed to, to put all the worldly cares away. Sell that you have and give to the poor. And now don't stop there. Go pick up your cross and follow me. The cross is necessary. It's to crucify the, the affections and the lust of the flesh. For all that's of the world, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. The pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the world passed away with the lust thereof. But whosoever doeth the will of God abideth forever. It requires obedience. So he said, sanctify yourselves holy. How do you sanctify yourself? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus said, for their sake, I sanctify myself. There he is 
God manifest in the flesh, showing us the way, the truth, and the life. He had taken on him the form of of man, in the likeness of man, fashioned as a man, emptied out of glory, made of no reputation, one of us, in all things made like unto his brethren, for as much then as the children are protectors of flesh and blood, God himself likewise took part of the same. Tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. He said, but I sanctify myself for their sakes. He is a spotless, blameless Lamb of God. However, he was made perfect. The captain of our salvation was made perfect through the things which he suffered showing us that we must do the same. We can't love the world. And Jesus, in his humiliated state as a man, what of us? Literally, followed the leading of the Spirit of God through that eternal spirit and crucified his flesh with the affections and the lust. And being the perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God, then freely, freely laid down his life as a living sacrifice for the sin of the world, and tasted death for every man. We are to do the same. That same love that Jesus had, that same love that he demonstrated, he said, the love that I have for you, there you have, I command you to have one for another. And you've been passed from death and life, and because you have love for the brethren. You're to love your neighbors yourself. And that, requires the leading of the Holy Ghost to fulfill the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and not fulfill the, the works of the flesh is through obedience, through the leading of the Holy Ghost. So sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So sanctification comes by the word of God through, through these exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us. But through obedience, that we escape the corruption of the world through lust. The world lusteth the envy. It wants the things of the flesh. The devil, the world, and our own flesh must be overcome. And that can only be done through obedience to the leading of the Holy Ghost. That's called sanctification. Otherwise, not being sanctified holy is iniquity lawlessness, not leading and being led of the Holy Ghost, but following our own will. And there are many that will follow their own will, going the ways of the world for money, houses, lands, cars, investment investment portfolios, and such like, thinking they can have both. You can't serve God and mammon. So those that follow the Lord God will crucify the flesh in order to do the will of God. And it's so important for their sanctification, not only in body, but spirit and soul as well. Sanctify yourself wholly, entirely, both spirit, your human spirit, soul, your mind, will, emotions, imagination, intellect, and body, the filth of the flesh. And we do this through obedience. Is it essential for salvation? Of course it is. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. 
And we're told, there Paul speaking, to the church at Rome. In Romans 6, he said, Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, there's obedience. Him are ye the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death. Somebody said, well, I have the Spirit of God, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I'm saved, that's it. Well, there's a sanctification process. A sanctification unto holiness. And it's a thing of progression in righteousness, which goes from newborn babes to little children to young men and finally to fathers, full grown, weaned from the milk and a full age, having their senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil. That holiness is taking on God's divine nature, not that we're God, but we're partakers of his divine nature, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So whosoever you yield your members of servants to obey, him of the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, while I don't follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Maybe God, as uh, spoke to Brother Beard, go to uh, Africa, India, and then I said, no, I'll just stay and preach in America. I don't want to go there. It's too big of a sacrifice. Well, if the will of God for me is to go and I don't go, it's iniquity. Well, I say, well, God, you call me to preach. I'm preaching here. But yet I'm doing something good that I think is good, promoting the kingdom of God. Yet it's not the perfect will of God for me. And that's the reason why in Matthew 7, Jesus said there will be some, not all, but some will, will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven that are believers. Why? Not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Now, Lord is calling him Jehovah God Almighty, the Father. They know he's the Father. We see that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I run you little children because you've known the Father. Jesus said, if you'd have known me, you'd have known the Father. Because he is the Father revealed. Little children know that. They are higher in righteousness, in obtaining that righteousness through faith. Growing from newborn babes, babies, unto little children. They've grown. Well, these are little children in Matthew 7. They call him Lord. They call him the Father of glory. Lord Jehovah God Almighty. But not all that say unto me, Lord, and you can't call Jesus Lord Jehovah God Almighty except by the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, even though you call me Lord, Lord, some of you will not be able to enter in because you did not do the will of God. You didn't perfect holiness in the fear of God. You didn't do the will of God to the divine purpose that you were called for. And they will say, I, I don't see that, Lord, when they will begin to profess unto Jesus. They present their case. Lord, we cast out devils. We prophesied in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, for you did not do the will of God. Now, that'd be a horrible state of affairs and a mistaken identity that has eternal consequences. 
not being able to enter in after you have become little children. You're a believer, but you didn't go on and crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure, not ours. That's sanctification. Being separate from the world, called to be saints. A saint is one sanctified. And not just in spirit, soul, and body, thinking, well, I do what the word of God says as best I can. No, it's doing the will of God through the measure of faith that he's dealt to you. And somebody said, well, what does that mean? I thought it was just general faith. As long as we do what the word says generally, we're okay. No, you're called as members in particular. I can't say the foot, I have no need of thee. Because he's put the more abundant honor on the less comely parts, there'd be no chism or division in the body. And that's the reason why. That we must do the will of God in a member in particular doing and finding the will of God. Because each individual member has a ministration, a ministry, that only you can do that God has called you for. A specific purpose in the body of Christ that you're called for. Whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and those that he predestinated, them he called. As many called, few chosen. Why? Because they didn't do the will of God. They didn't perfect holiness in, the, holiness in the fear of God. They did not do his will. And because of that, there are many called, few chosen. If chosen, you have to be faithful in that calling. You have to do it. Not just talk about it. Say, well, one of these days I'm going to do the will of God. Uh, as soon as I get uh, the house paid for, the car uh, the children leave home and they're gone through college, whatever the case is, whatever procrastination we've done and think we're justified. And Jesus said, uh, let the dead bury the dead. Go down and preach a gospel. That is the first and most important thing is doing the will of God. Well, there are many excuses why we can't do this because it's, it's not good weather. We can't cast our bread upon the waters. Because of, and we have excuses for it. And we think it's justifiable. But the Lord says not. We have to simply obey God. And the leading of the Holy Ghost, greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. So to perfect holiness in the fear of God, sanctifying ourselves holy, is upon us. The burden's on us. Any man says the burden of the Lord, the burden of the Lord, the burden of the Lord will be cut off. The burden's not on God. He's already given us the power of God to overcome the world, the devil, and our own flesh, and to be partakers of his divine nature, holiness. And those that do not, Jesus said, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Even though they have done many wonderful works in his name, prophesied in his name, cast out devils in his name. But they didn't do the will of God. Depart from me, you the work of iniquity. I never knew you. You did not do the will of God. Though we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that worketh in us both the will and the do. How do you know the will of God? 
How do you know to do that will and to this perfect holiness in the fear of God? Well, fear of God, we keep his commandments. Then he's dealt to everyone the measure, metron, the measure of faith, that whatever he's called you to do, he's enabled you to do it through his spirit. And that is the power of God and the salvation. It's the leading force. It's compelled you to do the will of God. Here's the way you walk in it. And we simply learn the voice of God, hear his voice, and obey it. And when there's only one way to do that, and it's through the word of God, through obedience. Paul stated, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now be separate. Then God, I'm going to do your will, not the world, and meaning with all your heart. And that is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Anyone that's in the world will die. We have a worldly church and a church that is worldly. But we have to perfect holiness in the fear of God. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And those that fear God keep his commandments. But then we have to know the individual will of God. Well, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's a reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, to this world we're living in. But be transformed, a transformation by the renewing of your mind. Now, the mind is the soul realm, mind, will, emotions, imagination, and intellect. And that is our volition, our will, that we can either do the will of God, following the leading of the Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, or succumbing to the deeds of the flesh. And one is contrary to the other. We're told in most churches and prosperity gospel that you can have both that you can think and grow rich and what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. You don't have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. Get as much money as you can and God will bless you. And we're thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. Those that will be rich fall into the diverse temptations and many hurtful lust. But yet we're told that's okay. And that's what happened to Laodicea that I counsel of thee to buy me gold tried on the fire. You're, you're increased with goods. You have need of, need of nothing. You think you're fine. But the Lord said, I'm trying to perfect you. I, all that I love, I chasten. The chastening rod of God. Not to destroy us so that we will not be condemned with the world. You go the ways of the world, you die. The love of the world, you have the love of the world. The love, you do not have the love of the Father. Any man who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the sanctification process is that come ye out and be ye separate. Be ye holy, separate, holy. And by doing that, you do the will of God in your particular calling that only you can do. That's your purpose. That's the reason God puts you here is for that reason that before the foundation of the world, he knew you. Your members being unperfect and wrote you in his book. And we find in Ephesians 1, the mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world has been to gather all things together in one in Christ. What are things? The things of faith. What is one? Father, make them one. Jesus said in the days of his flesh, 
as our example, the way, the truth, and the life, as we are one, one with the Father. And uh, that effectual working of the Holy Ghost, called grace. Grace is not just unmerited favor of God, and that's it. It's a dynamic move of the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the Spirit of God, moving in your spirit. And that, as we pray in our will, to align our will in prayer, in our soul realm, with that of the Spirit, so we will not do the deeds of the flesh. That's the reason you pray, to align your will with the will of God. So he said that be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Romans 12, 1. So that you can prove, not just think about it, I hope you're doing it, but prove the will of God for you, your individual will that God has for you to do. And that is only through the word of God. You don't get it by simply going Listen to a message at church or hearing an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, preach. You seek God on your own, diligently seeking with all your heart, and that's the time you find him, and he will lead you and guide you into his calling, his will, his purpose for your life. And when you know that, you have the perfect peace of God that passes all understanding. Most people do not know the will of God for their life. And it begins with learning the voice of God, and that only comes through the individual seeking of God through the Scriptures. And search the Scriptures, for in them we think we have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me, Jesus said. In the volume of the book, it's it's written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. From Genesis to the Revelation, it's all Jesus. And now it's Jesus in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There, again, the God life. It's godliness. That's the God life. To get there, you have to add to your faith virtue. That's through obedience. Virtue is to be truthful with God in all things and line up with his word. It's repentance in following the will of God in your life. That first step from faith, you add to your faith virtue. That's added by faith in obedience. Faith without works is dead, and the works there is obedience. And then you add to your virtue knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. They stop right there and don't go on getting the knowledge of God. And then we still, through obedience, go from knowledge to temperance. And he that striveth for the mastery must be temperance, self-controlled in all things. And then we add to our temperance Patient, but patience has to have her perfect work. And after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience. Then it's all through obedience. All of it's through obedience. Continuing in the word, then you go from patience to godliness. That's the godlike. And the godliness is that it's not of anything of us. It's Christ in us. It's what he did. And we uh, are partakers of through his spirit. Christ in us, the hope of glory. For God, the mystery of this God life, the mystery of godliness, is God was manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. He was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, uh, preaching to the Gentiles, believe on the world, receive up in the glory. It's all what he did. Not anything of us. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But by grace, through faith, are you saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. 
not the works of the flesh, but the righteousness of God by faith. But faith has to be obeyed. And then from the God life, godliness, we add to that brotherly kindness. That's through obedience. And finally, through brotherly kindness, brotherly love, we go to charity. Charity is not love, but it's the love of God based in doing as well. That's the difference between charity and love. They're about it, faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is charity. Charity is not just love, but the love for God based in the word of God, in obedience and doing his will. That's the reason charity will cover a multitude of sins. I say I love God with more than tongue, but unless I do it in deed and in truth, it profits me nothing. Though I have speak with the tongue of men and of angels, and I have not charity, it profits me nothing. If I uh, have all the knowledge and have not charity, why? Because charity is not just love, but is the love of God in rejoicing in the truth and obedience. Growing up, not as just a little child, but unto a full-grown man. That's the reason Paul said, speaking of charity, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But, through obedience and following of the Holy Ghost and sanctification, both spirit, soul, and body, I grow up into him in all things. Then I become one that he is pleased, he's pleased with. A vessel unto honor meet for the master's use. I was a child, he said I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, full grown, weaned from the milk, ever my senses exercised thereby, that is armed both good from evil, I put away childish things. That's charity. That is coming to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ in obedience, full sanctification. So sanctification then is how we go on unto righteousness. We see that in Romans 6. Again, Paul stated again, Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, it's your choice. You still have a will. You have the Spirit of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, but the flesh is still there, and it wants the ways of the world. It wants riches. It wants achievements. It wants its own glory. It wants its own will. And Paul said, that which I would do with my mind, I serve the law. But in the flesh, that law of sin and death, that I would do, that I don't do. That which I wouldn't do, that I do. He said, therefore, I find in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. The fleshly desires that a person must crucify that flesh with the affections of the lust is called holiness. Sanctified, holy, spirit, soul, and body. Not doing the will of the flesh in anything. And that is perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Fear of God, because we fear him, we keep his commandments, which are not grievous, but to do his will yielding the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Now he said, but those that do obey will be of obedience unto righteousness. Again, whosoever sinned, whosoever, that you heal your members, the servants to obey him or the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or 
of obedience. The choice is ours. Of obedience under what? Under righteousness. Let me read it there. It says there, and uh, having therefore the most precious promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And that's your Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. The whole bottom line is the burdens on us. Any man says the burden of the Lord will be cut off because the burden's on us. He has given us his spirit, and it's up to us to obey it. The choice is ours. And here he begins, in, uh, again, in Romans 6, he says uh, that we're crucified with Christ through baptism. And verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Get rid of that lust. It's through the Spirit of God, which you have, through sanctification of that Spirit and obedience. And here he goes, verse 13. This is Romans 6, verse 13. And you don't hear it preached much about sanctification anymore, but it is essential. It's critical for your salvation, for myself, for all of us. And he says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You're a living epistle. You're a holy nation. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Remember, grace reigns through righteousness, Romans 5. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Verse 16, very important. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey. Notice the obedience there. Your will to obey or not to obey the leading of God. But his servants, you are to whom you obey. It's all through your obedience. Whether of sin unto death, even though we have the Spirit of God, we still go after the world. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and thinking we're fine with God. Or of obedience, well, praise God, obedience unto righteousness. That's attributed to us by faith. Through obedience. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart, that's the spirit of man, that form of doctrine which was delivered. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Servants of righteousness? I didn't know we were servants unto righteousness. I thought we were going to holiness. Watch this. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants unto uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, lawlessness. Even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. It finally, the final product is partakers of his divine nature, holiness 
separate from creation as children of God. And that is sons and daughters of God. Watch what it says, everyone. You were the servants of sin. You were free from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things which you are now shamed? For into those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, you have become servants to God. You have your fruit on the holiness and the end thereof, life everlasting. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And that is why it is critical to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. Don't let anyone tell you that you can live for the world, get all you can in money, fame, fortune, and live for God, and both are acceptable. No, it's not. With God, we have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God, sanctifying yourself holy, both spirit, soul, and body, through these great and precious promises given to us. Through obedience, that we escape the corruption of the world through lust, and be made protectors of His divine nature. Only those will be seated in the Revelation 7 apocalyptic sealing of the servants of God in their forehead. That will be for the work of the ministry. Well, the Lord bless you if the Holy Ghost is bore witness with your spirit that this is the truth. We would like to hear from you. If you'd like to meet us, and we would like to meet you and work together uh, as one body, knowing them that labor among us, we would love to meet you. You can call me. The country code is one plus. 903-746-4885. Leave a message. I'll get back to you. One of our ministers will definitely contact you. We'd love to meet you. Or you can write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or if you can drop us a line, message us. Or if you have questions, you can message us over our websites, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. And there, we want to thank you for your prayerful support and your generous offerings whereby we can keep the podcast coming to you over the air. We'd love to hear from you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.